0: Alright, you want to turn to the book of Romans. A topic that we don't talk much about and should talk more on um, is prayer. Um, so, I, the study for this was looking at prayer in the scripture um, and looked at the book of Romans. You find the word pray or prayer five times. So we're going to look at those five verses and kind of get a pattern uh, for how you ought to pray, Uh, especially in this dispensation of grace, uh, where prayer has a different role than it did uh, under the covenant. Uh, So we're going to look at these five verses uh, today, and again, we'll see it's a pattern that we find in Paul of his prayers. Uh, So the first one is Romans 1 verse 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So you have here Paul making mention of the Romans in his prayers. So you see that Paul prays for others. Uh, You find this again as a pattern throughout almost all of his epistles where he's praying for the people that he is writing to. Ephesians 1.16, he says uh, that he ceases not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So here again, he ceases not to give thanks for them, making mention of them in his prayers. Philippians 1 verse 4. says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. Verse 3, he says, I thank my God of cleanse every remembrance of you. All right, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. So again, giving thanks uh, in his prayers for the Philippians. In Colossians Colossians three, he says, we give thanks to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So again, same thing, giving thanks for the Colossians in his prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So again, same thing, giving thanks for the Thessalonians, making mention of them always in his prayers. 1 uh, Thessalonians 3:10, he says, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect. Uh, that which is lacking in you. So, night and day, praying exceedingly for the Thessalonians. Uh, So, again, this is a pattern you find throughout Paul's epistles, right? That he prays for others, right, in the body of Christ. Um, And his prayer is not for fleshly or temporal things, as we often pray today, right? Lord, please help this person, help them to find the car that they need, help them get the job they need help them find this, that or it's always fleshly thanks that we often pray for, for others. Uh, Paul here in Romans, uh, his prayer for them, one, was giving thanks, which we saw in pretty much all the other apostles, uh, epistles of, uh, of Paul's prayers, but it's also for their establishment here in Romans. If you look at verse 10 and 11, uh, verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making requests, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. So Paul is praying for a safe journey to uh, Rome, which is something that we might pray for, right? As we travel today, please give us a safe journey. But we're going on vacation, right, three hours away. Paul here is praying for a safe journey to them so that he can... Uh, impart unto them a spiritual gift to the end that they may be established, right? He wants to see them established, uh, and it's established in the doctrine. If you look at the end of the book of Romans to see this, so he prays that they would be established and then proceeds to write 16 chapters of doctrine to them, explaining the gospel Right, explaining our position in Christ and how we are to live in light of that. And then at the end, he says, Now to him that has power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Right, so you see there, to him that has power to establish you according to my gospel according to the revelation of the mystery of Christ, right? Which is what he just wrote about in the book of Romans. So you see this establishment, this prayer that he can come to them so that they can be established in the doctrine. Uh, and again, this is the pattern that you find throughout Paul's epistles. We'll look at Ephesians verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 16. He says, He sees not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and I put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So he says he gives thanks and makes mention of them in their prayers, so that they can know these things. Right, these things is your position in the body of Christ, right, or the things that he goes through. Right, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. Uh, That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, right? Which is our resurrection, right? That is our hope and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, right? And then he goes on to write the book of Ephesians and explains these things, right? Chapter two, he talks about the body of Christ and our position in heavenly places, right? And the riches that we have in Christ. Uh, Chapter three, he talks about the mystery of the body of Christ and this revelation made known to him. So he explains the things that he's praying that they can know and be established in. Uh, and so again, this is the pattern that you find when Paul prays for others. He's praying for them to be grounded in doctrine and understanding, right? In spiritual things, right? It's not for fleshly, earthly things, right? So again, you think about how to apply this to our life, we should pray for others, right? Not that it's wrong to always pray for, to ever pray for something earthly. Um, Philippians does say, make your request name unto God but that shows what your heart thinks about, right? What is more important is that they be grounded in spiritual doctrine, right? So that should be our prayer for others. Uh, So this first one is a pattern of praying for others for their spiritual understanding uh, and their being grounded in right doctrine. Uh, The second one is Romans 8 verse 26. says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. So in this one, he says, We pray for, uh, we know not what we pray for as we ought. Right? We know not what we should pray for as we ought. In the context, it's talking about in regards to our infirmities, which are things that deal with the flesh. Uh, if you look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, Paul has a prayer for his infirmities in the flesh, and it doesn't get answered, right? In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. So you see Paul praying for this uh, thorn in the flesh to be taken away, right? But God says, My grace is sufficient for you. And so he said, Well, I'm going to glory in my infirmities. See, if Paul knew what to pray for in regards to his infirmities, he wouldn't have prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be taken away, right? Because that wasn't God's will. Um, so that's what this is the context of. The Spirit helps with our infirmities, right? Because we don't know what we should pray for as we all in regards to our infirmities. right? so again, the point here is that we don't know what to pray for at all. Because you can see, as we're looking at today, a pattern in Paul that you should know some things to pray for. Uh, the will of God in First Thessalonians 5, 17 through 8, is that in everything you give thanks unto God. Right, thanksgiving is a part of prayer, and you should know how to pray and give thanks to God, right, at the very least, um, because that is part of God's will. But as we just saw in Romans 1-9, you should also know that you should be praying for others, that they would come into a spiritual understanding, right, into the knowledge of the truth. Um, so again, you have to read the context. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought in regards to our infirmities, because God doesn't promise a healing, right? He doesn't promise to give us physical riches and blessings today. Right? So sometimes we don't know what we should be praying for. Uh, because this is dispensational. right? There are places in Scripture where God does promise fleshly things uh, to give blessings and riches and physical healings. Uh, you find this in the New Testament, in Jesus' earthly ministry. And this is where right division is important because you have to understand that these verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are to the nation of Israel under a covenant. Where if they kept the law, they would get the blessings, right? In Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11, it says, Ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things unto them that ask Him? Right. So again, it's earthly things. If you ask for bread, do you give your child a stone? Right. If your kid asks you for food, do you give him a rock and say, "Eat that"? Of course, it's no. Right. Uh, it says, "Likewise, your heavenly Father is not going to do that to you." Right. I'm going to give you what you need uh, if you ask for it in faith. Uh, if you look at Matthew twenty-one, twenty-two. Says in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So again, this promise of what you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. John fourteen verse thirteen through fourteen. Says in whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. So again, here you have the same thing, right? If you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. In James, he talks about you have not because you ask amiss, right? You have not because you ask not. You ask not because you ask amiss, right? They didn't know what to be asking for. There is still the principle that... The things they asked for had to be in line with the will of God. Uh, And they, of course, would be filled with the Spirit. They would know what to ask for uh, under the covenant, under the new covenant. Um, But yet, it is in regards to earthly things, right? To healings and miracles and providing of food, right? Uh, We don't have that promise today in this dispensation. Our promise is that my grace is sufficient for thee. Right? So we don't know how we ought to pray for in regards to our infirmities in the flesh. Um, again, the verse in Romans 8 verse 26 is in context of awaiting the redemption of our body because we suffer in this body. verse 21 it says because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the redemption uh, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Right, He's talking about sufferings uh, in this body. He says, verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Right? That is our hope. That is something that we can know, is that we have a hope of glory. Right? And that hope of glory that we have can't even compare to any sufferings we go through this earth. Uh, So that's how His grace is sufficient for us, and how we can glory in our infirmities, and how His strength can show through our weakness. You may be suffering in the flesh, but you can still stand firm in the doctrine and proclaim the name of Jesus and have joy and thanksgiving because you understand the hope of glory that you have. Right? And this is how uh, his strength can be made perfect in your weakness that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 through 18. He says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe. And therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Right? This is the futuristic outlook. Right? Knowing your hope of glory. Right? Paul, why do you go through uh, the distress and the trouble and the perplexing and the persecution? Right? Bearing the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus in you. Right? Why do you suffer these things? Uh, he says, because we know that he which raised up Jesus will raise us up. Uh, we know that. Although the outer man may perish, the ember man is renewed day by day. right. We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Right? You do not see your resurrected body in heaven yet, right? But that's what you look towards. You set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth because the things here are temporal, right They're temporary. And so uh, this is how the Spirit, again, doctrine can help you through sufferings, right When you don't know how to pray. In regards to your infirmities. Uh, but Back to Romans 8. It says the spirit helps making intercession. But verse 27. It says he that searcheth the hearts. Knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints. According to the will of God. Alright so again. The spirit knows how to help. Because he's going to do it. According to the will of God. Uh, And God's will is for your inner man. To be strengthened. By Colossians 1.11. Uh, Paul prays for them that they would be strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness. Right? You need to be strengthened in your spirit, and in the inner man. Philippians 4:13, a very popular verse that is taken out of context. Paul says, "I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me." And the all things is the all situations. Uh, which you find in the previous verse, verse 13 and 12, he says, uh, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Right? Those are things in your flesh. Right? Those are infirmities to have and to not have, Right? to be hungry and to be full. But he says I can do all these things, I can go through all these things, I can endure them, through Christ who strengthens me, right? He strengthens you in the inner man because you don't look at the things you're going through in the flesh. You look to things above. You look to the things which are not seen, the things which are eternal. So Romans 8.26, it says, we don't know how to pray for our infirmities, but yet the Spirit helps making intercession according to the will of God. So it's not that you don't know how to pray at all. You just don't know how to pray in regards to your flesh um, because God doesn't promise to heal it. He doesn't right? promise to give you earthly blessings. You have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, which is far greater, Right, because you're going to die anyway. So you can be the richest person on earth, but it's only temporary. Right? What happens after you die is what's important. Uh, the next one is Romans 10, verse 1. Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved." Uh, so here you see Paul praying his heart's desire. In Romans nine, verse one through three, he says, "I say the truth in Christ; I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I can wish that myself were a curse from Christ." For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, alright. So Paul had a strong desire to see his kinsmen, right, his kinsmen in the flesh, uh, which was Israel, Jews. Uh, he had a strong desire to see them saved. Look at Romans fifteen twenty three. says, But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Right, Paul had a desire to come unto the Romans, which you see him praying for a safe journey to them in Romans 1, verse 10. All right, so again, what I'm trying to say here is Paul is praying his heart's desires. Uh, if you look at Philippians 4, 6, He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So he says, Let your requests be made known unto God. It's okay to pray your heart's desires to God. Um, God doesn't promise to answer them uh, because Paul did not have a safe and prosperous journey to Rome. He went there in bonds uh, that you can read in the book of Acts. Uh but he's yet praying his heart's desire. Right? Um, prayer aligns the heart to God's will. So what you pray for uh, will help to align you to God's will if you're praying for the will of God. Um, and it's not praying for the will of God as um, cultural Christianity says it. Right? You need to pray that God would reveal his will to you. He has revealed his will to you. Uh, you can know what to pray for. In 1 Timothy 2, Verse 1 through 4, He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto a knowledge of the truth. Right? The will of God is uh, to see all men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul says his heart's desire in prayer is that Israel might be saved. So you see how his prayer uh, is in line with God's will, right? That all men should be saved. And so prayer, when you're praying for what you know God would have you to pray for, or what you know God's will is, it's going to help align your heart to the will of God, right? It's going to help align your desires to what God would have you do. Colossians 1, verse 9 through 11 We read verse 11 just a minute ago. God's will is that all men would be saved, but also that they would come to a knowledge of the truth. He says, For this cause we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. So you see there that he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, being fruitful in every word, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Alright, so this is after he says we've heard you believed in the gospel, we give thanks for you, but we also pray that you will be filled with the knowledge and wisdom of God and his will, right? Because God would have him also come to a knowledge of the truth. Not just to be saved. Uh, So again, you see Paul's prayers that they're in line with God's will, right? And again, praying to God can help align your heart to His will. It also can produce action. If you look at one Corinthians nine, verse nineteen through twenty-two. It says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men, that I by all means uh, save some that I might buy all men save some, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. So you see, Paul, his heart's desire was to see Israel saved. Right, God's will is to see all men saved. You see, in Paul's life, the things he would go through to see men saved. Right, and prayer helps align your heart to God's will, but it also helps to produce action because you're thinking about it. Right, you're setting your heart onto it which is going to result in you taking action on that, right? You're going to take action on what your heart desires, right? Um, If you're constantly praying for someone that they do something or be saved, that's going to produce in you a passion or a desire to go to that person and present the gospel to them, right? Um, So that's how prayer can work in your life to produce action. If you're constantly praying for riches— chances are you're probably trying to figure out ways to become rich, and you're acting upon those desires, right? Because that's what you're thinking about. That's what you're putting in your mind. That's what you're going to act in. But if you pray in align with God's will and align your heart to that, it will produce action for you to do God's will. Right? You see how that works? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 through 2 he says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before, we were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Uh, so again, they would speak the gospel of God with much contention. Right? He says they were wrongfully entreated there at Philippi. right? So he was treated wrong, and you see all throughout Paul's life the sufferings and things he would go through. But he would do it for the gospel's sake. Right, that he might save some, to see souls saved, which was God's will. Uh, Galatians 4.13. He says, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Right, so Paul preached to the Galatians through an infirmity of the flesh, right through something that he was suffering in his flesh. Uh, in the context, some people think maybe it was his vision, uh, but that can be debated. But nonetheless, it was a infirmity of the flesh that he was willing to go through and still preach the gospel to the Galatians. Uh, so Romans 10.1, Paul praying his dark desire. We see that that's in line with God's will and that when you pray God's will, uh, you see that that can produce action. And we see that in Paul's life. Uh, Romans 12.12 12 is the next one. giving admonition of things that they should be doing uh, now that they had the understanding of the doctrine of the gospel and who they are in Christ from the previous chapters. Uh, But he says, verse 10, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. You see that continuing instant in prayer. Uh, If you look at Colossians 4.2, He says, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. So, you see Paul here telling the Colossians to continue in prayer. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, he says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in verse 17. So, pray without ceasing. Uh, this does not mean that you pray 24-7, right? Obviously, that doesn't make sense. You wouldn't sleep, you wouldn't eat, right? Uh, that's not what Paul is saying, uh, quite simply, what it means is that prayer should be an ongoing part of your life. Right? He says, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers. Well, that means the only thing he prays for is the Romans. No, that's not what that means because he prays for the Ephesians, the Colossians, makes mention of them in his prayers. But every time he prays, he's going to give thanks and make mention of the Romans in his prayer. Right? He ceases not to do that. He doesn't ever stop Right? at any point. Whenever he prays, he's going to pray for them. Uh, so continuing instant prayer, meaning it should be a part of your life, right? All those things that he lists there in Romans 12 of things that you as a member of the body of Christ should do, right? Walking in righteousness, part of that is to have prayer, right? And continue in, in it. Uh, it should be a part of your life. Uh, so quite simply, that's what that means. Um, so again, prayer should be a part of our life as a Christian, right? As a member of the body of Christ. Uh, and then the last one is Romans 15, verse 30. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Uh, so he asks here that they pray uh, together with him uh, to God, right? Uh, so praying together for the same thing does not mean you have to be together, right, to pray together. You can request prayer from others, uh, and know that in their prayers they're praying for the same thing as you. Right? That's what he means by pray together with me. It wasn't like us all bow our heads and pray together. Right? You can pray for the same thing, praying together, um, knowing that each of you are praying for the same thing. And again, as members of the body of Christ, we should all be praying for the will of God. Right? And praying together for that. Uh, but here, Paul is requesting prayer for himself. Right? He says. Uh, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Right? He's, he's requesting prayer for himself. And this isn't the only place that you see this. If you look at 2 Corinthians 1. 11, it says, Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, uh, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. So here he talks about uh, them helping together by prayer for us. Right, so he says, uh, you need to pray for us, and we thank you. He was thanking them for their prayer for him. Philippians 1.19. He says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And So here he was talking about his salvation or release from prison. Right. He knew that the Philippians were praying for him right before his release. And he was uh, having confidence that that would happen. First Thessalonians 5:25. He simply here says, "Brethren, pray for us." Right. So you see Paul throughout his ministry, he asked for uh, prayer. But it's always for him to accomplish the ministry. So again, it's not, hey, pray for me. My car broke down. I need a new one, right? Or pray for me. Um, my tent making job. I lost it. Right? Paul was a tent maker. He didn't sit there and say, I lost my tent making job. Pray that I find a new one, or pray that I find one with better benefits or with a pay raise, right? He. <laughs> These are the things that we often request for, which shows what we think about, right? Wrongfully. Uh, but Paul was always praying. Pray for me that I would do the ministry, right? That I would do the work of the Lord. Uh, You see this in the context of Romans 15, verse 31. He says, uh, That you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God, and may be with you be refreshed. Right, so again, the purpose of Paul wanting them to pray for him was so that he would not be killed from the unbelievers in Judea, uh, so that the service that he was going to provide to the poor saints in Jerusalem would be accepted, and that he would be able to come to them right by the will of God. Uh, which goes back to his prayer in Romans 1, the first chapter, that he was praying to come to them in a the safe journey. Uh, but the service that he had for Jerusalem was the collection of the saints, um, which he says in... Verse 25, but now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it have pleased them, Macedonia and the Caia, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Right, he was going to give money to the saints at Jerusalem. So he says, pray that they will be accepting of this contribution. Um, So you see Paul praying or asking for prayer for the ministry to be done. Again, you see this in other epistles Ephesians 6, verse 18 through 19. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He actually says, pray for me that I would speak boldly the mystery of the gospel, right, uh, of which I am an ambassador for. Colossians four 4:3. says Continue in prayer and watching the same with Thanksgiving, withal praying also for us. So again asking prayer requests for himself, uh, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Right, so again, pray for me that I would speak the mystery of Christ. That I would be bold in proclaiming uh, the gospel. So, what we find here in Romans, uh, if you want to try to have this as a pattern, is you need to pray for others, but it should be for their spiritual understanding, right? That they be grounded in doctrine because that is what is more important than the fleshly, right? Uh, The second one is that we don't always know what we should pray for in our infirmities, uh, in our flesh. But you can let your request be made known unto God, and the peace which passes understanding can fill your heart and soul. He doesn't promise to answer it. Uh, But you can have that peace knowing that the Spirit also intercedes for your infirmities according to the will of God. Um, This third one is that you can pray your heart's desire, but you need to pray God's will and align your heart's desire to the will of God. right? And that will produce action in you to see God's will done. right? That's how prayer works. Uh, So you need to pray... God's will and have your heart aligned to that. Uh, Prayer should be a part of your life, right? You should continue instant in prayer. You should be, uh, as a Christian, you should have prayer as a part of your life. And then lastly, you could pray together for the same thing to see God's will done, right? Praying for each other to do the will of God, right? So not only praying for yourself to do it, but praying for others that they would do the will of God. Uh, And so that is the pattern that we see here in Romans. Uh, So any thoughts or questions on that?